For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey everybody, welcome to a special bonus episode of the Believe in Indianapolis Colts podcast. I'm your host as always, Jake Arthur. I'm bringing you here a uh, just a, a little bonus content from an interview I did with my buddy Stoney Keeley. Uh, he runs the unofficial Titans podcast on the Sobros Network. It was just an appearance I did on, on his show and we wound up having so much fun that I just figured, hey, why not send it to you guys here as well. But before we dig into that, here is a word from our sponsors. The NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is always the online casino as well, it never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all their great sign up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. All right, we are back here on the Unofficial Titans podcast. Stoney Keeley here with a very special guest today. I say it every week, but I mean it specifically this week. We've got Jake Arthur covering the Indianapolis Colts for the Believe in Colts podcast and Sports Illustrated's allcolts.com. Jake, how you doing today, man? I am excellent now that I'm talking to you, brother. How are you doing? <laughs> doing well. It's been a hot minute since we've been able to get together and collaborate on something. I don't know if it's been since, gosh, the pro football spot days. I mean, does mm-hmm. anybody, I don't want to take shots, but does anybody even remember pro football spot anymore? Does that carry any weight when you say it? We, we, I think we all remember our roots. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of us that were from there that have gone on to, to do some nice things. So yeah, I think we cool all see. remember our, our little roots together there. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, man, let our listeners know how they can keep up with you on Twitter and where they can find your work. Uh, yeah. So I'm on Twitter at Jake Arthur NFL. Uh, same thing for Facebook. And uh, you can also follow Believe in Colts. And it's not spelled like the actual word believe. It's uh, it's part of the Believe Podcast Network. It's B L E A V. Uh, so that's that's where all my stuff is located. Good stuff, my man. Well, before we dive into this matchup, Titans and Colts Thursday night football. For once, the the Titans get a good Thursday night game. I mean, for years, I feel like. We've just seen Titans Jags for for like two decades in a row on Thursday Night Football at this mm-hmm. point. It's a big matchup. Obviously, control of the AFC South hangs in the balance. But before we dive into that, I always like to do a quick vibe check with my guests. This team is 5-3, and three, coming off a loss to the Baltimore Ravens that I don't think was nearly as bad as the final score would indicate. 
What do you what do you what do you make of this team in their five and three start and and where they stand in the AFC South race? I legit don't know if any of us know how good this team is. Uh, <laughs> I think they again legit are a playoff team, mm-hmm. but sometimes they look like a, an AFC Championship game contender, and sometimes they look like they're going to get dumped in the wild card round. Um, their defense is for real. That's that's what keeps them going week in and week out. Um, the offense just it doesn't seem like they have an identity. Oddly enough, uh, the, they've had the same offensive line configuration since the middle of 2018. Same starting five. Uh, they have had dominant rushing performances since then, pretty regularly, and we really haven't seen that almost at all this year. Yeah, and I mean it kind of goes to show you how good Marlon Mack is. Uh, I, sure. I had to fight off a lot of, a lot of people, especially in the fantasy community before the season started about, you know, how Jonathan Taylor was supposed to come in and be basically Ezekiel Elliott in year one. And it's like, guys, they love Marlon Mack. Like he's really good. He's developed into a legit three down back who can do everything. And him going down a week one is just really seemed to screw up the offense a little bit. It's just very inconsistent. Yeah, and then Jonathan Taylor was getting some love in the preseason rookie of the year odds. And I I kind of felt the same thing, but, you know, I don't follow the Colts closely enough to really know what you know. But I kind of thought, like, man, the way they use Marlon Mack, are they just going to push him to the side for for Jonathan Taylor? It hasn't worked out that way. Yeah, so I I thought, though, I, I mean, I thought that was possible, you know, kind of a thunder and lightning thing. I kind of figured they would run the ball at least 30 times a game, you know, and mm-hmm. Mac would maybe get 15 to 15 or so. And Taylor would get 10 or 12 or, or however many, and that he'd get a lot of touchdowns or something and be a legit, you know, rookie of the year contender. Um, but I mean, sometimes even running backs take a little while to, to acclimate. I mean, Derrick Henry wasn't awesome right away. Yeah. Melvin Gordon wasn't awesome right away. Sometimes it does just take these guys time to develop. Even Marlon Mack um, finally became a thousand yard rusher last year, but he was very much a gadget running back in, in his first year. Um, so I, I think he's still going to be very, very good. Even possibly one of the better running backs in the NFL within the next couple of years. Uh, but he's got some, some developing to do uh, lots, you know, lots of, film study and things like that. I just think he needs to, I I think he's trying to follow the rules a little bit. Um, he's not necessarily creating a lot of his own stuff right now. Okay. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how he goes. So a lot of the national guys are kind of criticizing the schedule that the Colts have played so far. And I maintain like halfway through the season, five and three, you're a pretty good football team. So, the criticism being, well, they're struggling against the elite echelon of NFL teams, but they're beating the ones below them that they should be beating. Do you think it's fair to criticize this Colts schedule? And and like you said, like maybe you haven't really figured out quite who this team is just yet. Or do you think that there's something there and, and you know, they just got to execute? Uh, so the, the front half of their schedule was – pretty you can never say easy in the nfl but the their weaker opponents were front loaded um 
they had the, the, I think it was week seven by, and then after that, things got much, much more difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tennessee twice, Baltimore, uh, the Packers, the Steelers, like the, their, the back half of the schedule really is not awesome for them. Um, so they needed to get off to a hot start. So whichever way you look at it, yeah, the front half was easy, but the second half, when you really need to win games, not easy. And, and most of their division games are, are remain to be played. So it can be it can be criticized, but they have a lot of hard work ahead of them. Yeah. Um, honestly, the the three games that they've lost, they really you could you could say they probably should have lost to Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland was just absolutely the better team that day. Really, just overwhelmed them. Um, if they would have played Jacksonville in like week two or three instead of week one, I think they would have won. Yeah, that was a surprise. Uh, th- they really, it really was lopsided over Jacksonville too. They they outgained him by 200 yards of offense, but Minshew completed 19 to 20 passes. He just, he took exactly what the Colts gave him and just ate the zone defense alive. And it was enough to just keep the chains rolling and keep the Colts off the field. And Phillip Rivers had a couple bad interceptions. So they, I again, I really don't think they would have lost that game if it was played a week or two later. And then they definitely should have beat Baltimore last week. Yeah, uh, they were in control of that game most of the time. They really held Lamar Jackson in check for the most part. Uh, the defense was killing their offense, especially in the first half. Uh, but then in the third quarter, the Colts offense only ran four plays and they accumulated <sighs> one yard. That'll do so it. You can, Im- you can imagine how gassed their defense was. <laughs> yeah. And so that's when the Ravens, in back-to-back drives, I think they had a 10-play drive, then a 14-play drive, and that just killed the Colts. And they won 24-10, to 10, but seven of those points was a fumble recovery return for a touchdown. So you can kind of consider those fluke points because that doesn't regularly happen. Yeah. But uh, both of those teams have defenses that are also offenses. They both – they're the they're the top two teams, I think, in defensive or special teams touchdowns. Um so yeah, it the the twenty four to ten was a little more lopsided probably than the game really was, but yeah. And they they held them to what two hundred twenty six total yards of offense. Yeah, it, if I'm it not was, mistaken, it was yeah, it was it was a, a good effort. They had they held them to fifty five yards of total offense in the first half, uh, and then it's just those long drives in the second half got them. It it really gassed the defense, and yeah, they they held that offense largely in check, but. Lamar Jackson really kind of flipped a switch. He took a, he had took a lot of short passes in the second half, and he was just pinpoint accurate and very efficient. And it was just too much for them to overcome. You brought up Philip Rivers. That's a great segue to to talk about this Colts offense. Uh, huge storyline in the AFC South going into this season. Rivers considered by and large an upgrade at the quarterback position. I think it made him a legitimate Super Bowl contender in a lot of people's eyes. The Colts were kind of one of those sexy picks to to really go far in the AFC but there have been issues this season so far and it kind of seems like this Colts offense lives and dies by Philip Rivers and how he performs I don't know if you would say that's fair to say but how would you sum up how he's acclimated to this team in 2020 I would say that's fair that they do live and, and die by him because they haven't got that run game going uh, I think we were they finished seventh in rushing last year. They brought back the same offensive line and they added 
Jonathan Taylor. So a lot of us around here assumed they were probably going to take the next step into being a top five rushing yeah. attack. Yeah. So it was going to, it was going to be a run based offense with Philip rivers working off of that and, you know, making big plays do play action and, and all this stuff, but it just hasn't, it hasn't gone that way. So when he has a really good game, they win. And if he doesn't have even a good game, they lose. It, it seems. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been tough. It's again, they, they don't have a real <laughs> offensive identity yet. I know Marlon Mack getting hurt and Paris Campbell getting hurt really has, has hurt the team in general. Um, but that's, I think we're all just kind of waiting to see what's, next you know yeah sure I don't know. yeah and, and you look at some of these playmakers we we talked about marlon mack the injury we talked about jonathan taylor maybe not getting off to as quick of a start as a lot of people projected that he would ty hilton hasn't really been the ty hilton we've come to to know and expect over the years and the colts are going to be without jack doyle for this game on thursday night football which is noteworthy because that dude kills the Titans every time they play the Titans. So Titans fans can breathe a little sigh of relief that the, uh, the vaunted Jack Doyle will not be on the field for, for Thursday <laughs> night. So where does this Colts offense then turn to with a quarterback who's playing the style that you live and die by and your, your playmakers that you expected to show up in 2020 have gotten off to kind of an awkward, slow start. Who does this Colts offense turn to? Yeah. So T.Y. Hilton not having the the traditional statistical season that he normally would have. Um, he's, he's still had an impact. He's drawn a lot of penalties and things like that. And against Detroit, he got screwed out of a lot of big plays. Um, I think it was against Detroit. There were a, a lot of plays made that didn't count or got called back and so on and so forth. But mm -hmm. He is having an impact, just not really getting those stats. And I mean, yeah, he's been the Colts' number one receiver for years, but Phillip Rivers is a new quarterback for them, and he didn't have any favorites on the Colts yet. Um, Jack Doyle is really just a cog in a kind of a deep tight end group because Trey Burton has has been arguably Phillip Rivers' favorite tight end this year. Uh, Mo Alley Cox has been a big playmaker as well. So yeah. honestly, Doyle Doyle has been the third peg of the tight end hole, uh, basically, this season. Um, there's not any one guy that's really standing out. Mar Marcus Johnson's probably been their best deep threat. Uh, he had like three games in a row with a reception of 25 yards. Uh, Zach Pascal seems to be Rivers' favorite chain mover if he needs five seven yards he's probably going to pascal uh but yeah it's it's been a group effort he spreads the ball around a lot um most games there's eight nine ten guys different guys getting a reception so it's not any one guy and again we're used to saying that it's the running backs who would pick up all the slack but it just hasn't been the case this year uh he is getting them involved in the passing game i think you've probably seen how dangerous naheem hines can be oh yeah but yeah there, there's not any one guy that teams can zero in on this year because he's spread rivers is spreading the ball around just a lot. Uh, and I can say from, from a Colts perspective, fans were upset to see that there's not going to be any Jonathan Joseph involved with, <laughs> with this because that, 
that is who everyone thought T.Y. Hilton would get his oh, season back on track against. <laughs> well, and have every right to think that way, which kind of leads into my next question. Like this Titans defense prior to this game against the Chicago Bears on Sunday, which I kind of caution people don't get too excited because that Bears offense is terrible, completely terrible. But prior to that, this Titans defense is allowing a ton of space, a ton of yardage. They're not getting to the quarterback. They're not covering well. They're not getting off the field in third down. There's opportunities to make plays. So I think for the Titans defense, you want to see it against a team like Indianapolis, and you want to see it consistently over the course of a couple of games before you start saying, oh, the defense is back. But looking at the Titans defense, knowing what you know about it, and and knowing what you know about the Colts offense, what do you think the Colts offense has to do to put up points against the Titans on Thursday night? I think they have to establish the run uh, because teams have just been able to load up the box because they're not all that afraid of the passing game. Yeah. And so if the Colts can actually establish the run and do it early and Jonathan Taylor gets going and he doesn't make some mistake that has them put him on the back burner to, to Wilkins and Hines, then I think that will definitely help the Colts. Uh, they should be able to establish an actual play action threat. And I think that's just when they're at their best. Um, we've seen times when Rivers has to throw it 40 times or so. And when it's just him throwing, they've actually had success. But I just don't know how long that's going to continue without them actually establishing the run. I just think they have to do that. Yeah, and the Titans have shown that they can, uh, they'll allow some rushing yardage. So that it was something that they really tightened up. Uh, pardon. I, I always hate saying that because of the marketing <laughs> gimmick, but. They really tightened up the run defense on Sunday, uh, didn't allow Chicago to do a whole lot. But again, you want to see it against a a better quality offensive line before you really say that it can't happen. So I, I think the opportunity is there for that to happen. It's something I actually, it's funny you mentioned that I'm working on my keys to victory piece. And I, one of the first things I said on defense, don't let the Colts run game find its rhythm in this game, because then Everything comes out of that. And, and it's not so different from what the Titans do on offense. Uh, it's just a matter of, of getting into that rhythm. So, yeah, I think there's, there's reason for concern there. We're going to take our second commercial break of the show. And when we get back, we're going to talk about this Colts defense with Jake Arthur of Believe in Colts. Back here on the unofficial Titans podcast, Stoney Keeley chatting with Jake Arthur. Jake, you talk about this Colts defense got to be among the best in the league, if not the best defense in the entire NFL. What's working so well for this unit? Uh, so this defense, they have three pillars of it that they, they want to have high end players at these three spots. That's three tech defensive tackle, uh, the, the roaming nickel inside outside corner and their will linebacker. And they feel like they've got the right three guys there. DeForest Buckner. He's been worth every cent that they yeah. paid for him. And Darius Leonard, obviously all pro in, in his, each of his first two years. And Kenny Moore is is probably the best nickel defender that people don't talk about. It's fair um, to say. So they have an outstanding defensive line. Justin Houston plays well. Uh, Buckner, obviously. Grover Stewart has been playing like one of the better nose tackles. Uh, you know, he it's taken him a little while. He's gotten better each year. Uh, he's he's playing outstanding ball. They should be getting Kamoko Ture back soon. Um, they've got a, a pair of really nice, smart young safeties, uh, Julian Blackman and Kari Willis. 
they may not they may not have like the ridiculous athleticism that like someone like Malik Hooker had, but what they la- what they're what they lost in that when Hooker got hurt, they they've got an incredible amount of football intelligence in Julian Blackman. Mm. He's just a rookie, but he plays like he's a veteran. It's you, you'll see what I'm talking about Thursday. It's really good. Oh, to I hope see. not. And yeah, well, yeah, not for you guys. <laughs> But, uh, and then Xavier Rhodes, uh, Xavier the, Rhodes, the the resurrection of Xavier Rhodes, um, not played too hot in Minnesota the last couple of years. They signed him to a very low risk, high reward, veteran minimum deal. And again, he's been worth every cent and more. Uh, he doesn't get thrown at a lot, but he matches up really, really well with the big X receivers. Um, not necessarily the the small, fast guys. But against like Kenny, he completely shut Kenny Galladay down and then Galladay got hurt. Now it's, it's those type of guys, the big bulky guys with a big catch radius. He, he takes them out of the game. Um, So you probably feel Davis is probably going to, he's probably going to draw Corey Davis. I'd imagine with Rocky sin and, and, and Kenny Moore getting AJ Brown. That's exactly what I was, I was going to say. So if he ends up on Corey Davis, you feel pretty good about that matchup. Yeah. As even when the Colts have been playing a zone that the quarterback, the other quarterback's just picking apart, Rhodes seems to latch on pretty well still and, and keep his guy in check. You mentioned Darius Leonard. Uh, getting him back proved huge in the Ravens game. Where do you think he ranks among NFL linebackers? Because I would argue he's got to be top top three at the very least. I think you can't really name a whole lot of inside linebackers in the NFL, but Darius Leonard is one of those guys that you can. He's definitely a game changer. Where do you think he ranks in the grand landscape of linebackers in the NFL? I've got to say he's top three, and I I can't say who ranks one, two, three. I think they all have their case, but you look at Bobby Wagner. I, I love Fred Warner yeah. uh, from San Francisco. Darius Leonard, shoot, Jayon Brown. He he makes plays every time the, the Colts play him. Um, but uh, no, I, I think Darius is in that top three, and he's not necessarily two or three. Uh, you could say he does just as much, if not more, than any linebacker in the league. Uh, he covers out of his mind. There's been times we saw him in the slot covering DeAndre Hopkins, and he made pass breakups in that scenario. Um he is a very good pass rusher. He flies all over the field, making tackles. Uh, he's, he's a takeaway magnet. He punches the ball away. He gets interceptions. When you look at the God, I mean, when, when you look at the stat sheet stuffing, every, every different category he affects, his numbers are really, he, he stands damn near alone in his yeah. first few seasons just the amount of areas he's impacted and those stats back that up legitimately, whether it's Patrick Willis, Brian or locker, all these guys, the numbers speak for themselves. Um, he, he's just been outstanding. And the couple games he missed the Colts defense, it took them an entire half to look like they even got off the bus that day. Wow. But once, once he got back in there, they snapped right back in into position and became elite. Like you should have seen the things they were saying about Lamar Jackson in the first half <laughs> against, against the Ravens last week. And then, I mean, it, again, it flipped the script and the offense kind of let things down, but 
Darius Leonard was just in an all-out battle with with Lamar Jackson and was winning it last week. Uh, but now he's pound for pound one of the top linebackers in the league. Yeah, I should remember this stuff more more clearly because I do write about it for Sobros Network. But I did rank <laughs> my top ten linebackers for 2020. I just had to pull it up and confirm. I've got Leonard number two to Levante David, but that's about when you think of like household yeah. names at the position. I think you're thinking mm-hmm. about those two guys and that's about it. Bobby Wagner, maybe three. Like, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. He's, he's in rare air. And I think he, he looks like you mentioned some of those names like Patrick Willis and Brian Erlacher. I think he is that next sort of generational linebacker. He's that good for all the reasons that you've stated. We talked about this being a sort of strength versus strength matchup. When you look at how good the Titans offense has been, obviously we've gushed about how good the Colts defense has been. How do you feel about this strength versus strength matchup with the Colts defense going against this Titans offense? Um, I feel better than a lot of people probably do about facing the run game because uh, the sure. Colts run defense is just really, really good. Ar- arguably the best. Derrick Henry does seem to have big games, but if you've noticed, it usually gets based off of one or two plays. You know, yeah. he he has a knack for popping those 50 or 70 yard plays against the Colts. Uh, so if they can keep him in check for 60 minutes and not let that one or two huge play get them, then I, I think they can handle that. And, you know, adding DeForest Buckner, that's another huge thing as well. What does worry me, honestly, is the passing game. Uh, yeah. It was like last year, I think it was the game at Lucas oil when Ryan Tannehill kind of took over and led Tennessee to victory. Um, that's what I worry about. Cause I don't really know what, coverage the the Colts are going to play you know is AJ Brown can I I just picture AJ Brown on a deep slant cutting in between (laughs) a soft zone and taking it 50 or 60 yards because that's what he does man AJ Brown has to be giving defensive coordinators nightmares with those slant routes and he has such a knack for just knowing when to break and and where to find the soft spot to get open it's got to be terrifying yeah absolutely that that's what I worry about him and like Johnny Smith. Yeah. It's, I honestly worry about that passing game more than I do Henry, just because I have that much confidence in the Colts run defense. Yeah. And uh, really it's going to be a big test in the secondary. Yeah. And, and really you see all the promotional videos for this game and it's like, you know, Derek Henry and the Tennessee Titans. And that's all the national, the national audience seems to think about is Derek Henry. And to be fair for good reason, you know, he, you see him putting highlights on tape, like, basically putting Josh Norman into the dirt in the bills game and the historic run he went on in the postseason. It's understandable to think like that, but in this matchup, uh, yeah, I don't think people are talking about the Titans passing game and enough how capable they are with art Smith calling the plays. Yeah, it's, we've just seen a totally different Ryan Tannehill than when he was with Adam Gase in Miami. And a lot of people after you guys gave him the new deal was like, okay, well, is he going to follow it up or is he going to be the next guy that busts after getting yeah. money? Yeah. And if I were you guys, I would imagine you're happy with the investment. Very he happy. Looks, there's time for He looks deadly and he's an athletic guy who can throw outside the pocket. It's just, I, I don't know if you catch a guy like that on a day where he to take Baker Mayfield's, you know, stance waking up feeling dangerous and you're in for a long day. <laughs> yeah, I think something that he does particularly well, you talk about the depth of this Titans offense. Ryan Tannehill kind of goes into the huddle with nothing off the table. 
you know, some guys kind of hone in on one receiver. You're looking to get this guy open. You're looking for this matchup. But Ryan Tannehill genuinely goes to the line and just says, it could come to any of you. And he's really good at surveying the field and finding those those matchups. And just, you know, the saying is, like, if you're on the field with him, you better expect the ball because you never really know where it's going to go. And he's just in firm command. He's calm, cool, and collected in the huddle, no matter what the situation in the game is. It's been a huge upgrade at the position for the Titans, and that's why that's why they paid him so much. The The reaction to that was, well, you know, how can you possibly expect him to perform up to the level of 2019 when he was pretty much perfect? And my response to that would be, well, he doesn't have to for this team to still win the AFC South and go on a playoff run. He doesn't have to be perfect again because he's such a good fit with this offense. Yeah, I am. A, I'll be honest. I'm a little curious to see, though, because it doesn't happen a lot. Uh, what happens when the ball is totally in his hands, and if the Colts shut down Derrick Henry, like, yeah, if it has to be a, and if the Colts like get a big lead, for example, mm-hmm. if it has to be a game where Tannehill passes it 40, 45 times, what does that look like? You know? Yeah, I I think he's capable. It's happened before. Uh, I go back to the. Kansas City Chiefs game from a year ago uh, when they they upset Kansas City and that was pretty much all Tannehill just willing the team to victory but also he hadn't started as many games for the Titans so it's fair point to say well the Chiefs were probably weren't as prepared for him as you would be with an entire season of film out there to study for so yeah it's it's going to be interesting and I I think there's a real possibility that we could see that happen on Thursday night with this Colts run defense. If they can eliminate, like you said, the big plays from Derrick Henry, how does Tannehill in the passing game respond to that? I think that's, that's going to be one of the keys to to seeing how this game unfolds. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to take our last commercial break of the show. And when we get back, we're going to wrap things up here with Jake Arthur of the believe in Colts podcast. Back here on the unofficial Titans podcast, wrapping things up with Jake Arthur. Jake, are there any matchups that you look for? I know we talked about Xavier Rhodes and Corey Davis. We've talked about the Indianapolis run defense against Derrick Henry. Are there any other matchups that you look for the um, look for the Colts to exploit on offense or defense? What has you feeling good about this matchup on Thursday night? Uh, well, what has me feeling good, and it's hopeful because we haven't really heard it yet. Uh, but if Kamoko Toure gets activated off of Pup finally, uh, that's that's their most athletic, bendy, quickest pass rusher. Mm. And he was damn near unstoppable last year before he got hurt. Uh, he was, I think, Pro Football Focus's number two graded either pass rusher or edge defender in general uh, before he got hurt behind only T.J. Watt. Uh, so I'm really waiting to see if he comes back and what he can do against the offensive tackles. Uh, it's my understanding that the tackles are a little banged up for, for Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, pretty interested in Darius Leonard versus John U. Smith. Uh, Darius did a really good job against Mark Andrews when it came up last week. Uh, just kind of, kind of things like that. Uh, AJ Brown versus Rocky Sin and Kenny Moore. That's something I'm kind of curious about. So I do, like I said, I think Xavier Rhodes can can handle Corey Davis, um, but that's kind of the main ones I'm looking at. All right, ultimately, first place in the AFC South on the line. 
I'm not going to ask you for a final score prediction or anything like that, but how do you see this game shaking down? Something like 27-24. It's kind of what it feels like to me too, yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to say it's a barn burner, and I'm not going to say it's a slugfest either. I I think both teams will be able to do a little something offensively. Um, I think if the Colts can get pressure on Tannehill defensively, that's certainly going to help. Obviously, you have to look at at containing Derrick Henry as much as humanly possible. Uh, But we really need to see some plan or pulse from the Colts offense, too. Like, we don't know if they're going to try to run the ball or if it's a game that goes totally behind Phillip Rivers because we don't see any week-to-week trends. We just really don't know. Yeah, that's that's got to be frustrating to watch. But it (laughs) kind of feels like this is a matchup are you going to see the Titans try to commit to Derrick Henry because they want to eventually break that one big play loose and kind of keep the Colts defense back to open up play action, stuff like that. So I, I think it is, it's it's going to be of paramount importance that they do feed Derrick Henry. And I, I think seeing the Colts try to commit to running the ball or you know, whatever they have to do, like you said, to make a decision and and commit to it. I think the result of that is probably going to be a slower first quarter than, than people are expecting. And I think it's going to ultimately be a a lower scoring game because of that. Yeah. I, I I think the first quarter, you're almost going to have to throw it away statistically. Just, I think it's going to be both teams feeling out what they're going to be able to do the rest of the game. What do you think this does for the winner of this game in the AFC South race? Obviously, it puts them in the driver's seat of the division, but they got to turn around here in two weeks again and, and play each other again. What do you what do you make of the AFC South? Well, like you said, it's really unique because it's it's the division's two clear leaders. Like yeah. you don't have to worry about Houston or Jacksonville. It's it's these two teams, and they're in a dead heat right now, and they face each other again in two weeks. Um. I think this game is enormous for the Colts because next week they play the Packers. Yeah. And that could very well be a loss. So if you lose to Baltimore last week in a game, you probably should have won. And then you lose to Tennessee and then you lose to the Packers. You've really put yourself in a terrible spot to face the Titans again. Yeah. Next up just in a couple of weeks. So it means, I think this means a lot for this race. Because, again, the Colts still have, I think, the Raiders and the the Steelers after that. Like, the second half of the schedule is not easy by any stretch for the Colts. Yeah, and I think the Titans are in a similar position, uh, which is why getting the win the way they did against the Chicago Bears was so important because they have the Colts on Thursday night, and then they have the Ravens, and then the Colts again. After mm-hmm. that, it's it's the Browns, and then there's still a late-season trip to Green Bay to play the Packers as well. So... I think this is, from their perspective, you want this game so that you do put the pressure on Indianapolis to catch up. And maybe if you are the Titans, you're going against a Ravens team the week after that was already talking about this game when the schedule was announced back in the spring because the Titans went up to Baltimore and punched them in the mouth in the playoffs last season. So you already had guys that are going to be amped up for that game. You know it's going to be a big game. Baltimore's going to bring the intensity. So if you can win this game on Thursday night football, it might afford you the luxury of you know, being in a little more comfortable spot as you enter this critical stretch of the season. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's entertaining that it's mid season and it's such an important game for both sides. Yeah. Uh, I just know from a Colts perspective, this game is their biggest game this season right now. You, uh, you have any plans for the game? Are you going to be watching from the press box or are you going to be watching from, from home? No, I'm, I'm not traveling or in the stadium this year. Uh, COVID COVID guidelines kind of have yeah. maybe access stripped down a bit. Uh, so no, I'll, I'll be, uh, I'll be watching from home and staying up very late more than I would probably like, (laughs) man, these weeknight games, especially, I remember that, uh, the Monday night game that kicked the season off in Mm -hmm. Denver. And I was up until 3am getting all my post game reaction pieces done. My game reaction podcast, all that. I was like, man, I can't, I can't do too much of this. Yeah. They, they announced, I think yesterday, or I think yesterday, that the Colts Packers game next week got flexed to four thirty, and it's normally one o'clock. Yeah, and I just died inside a little bit <laughs> because it's their second game. It's their second early game that's been flexed to four thirty this season. Oh, and my the likelihood of me getting to bed at a healthy time when a game starts later it goes down drastically. <laughs> yeah, because like uh, you said, you have to write, you have to podcast, you have to get stuff ready, and then. Yeah. People, people don't think about it. Like you you have the game, the game wraps up, but then you have all the press conferences. So you're watching, you're paying attention, you're taking all your notes and then you got to get something to eat somewhere in there too. And then you got to get to work, you're writing a couple pieces. You got to do your podcast that the next thing, you know, like you're, you're following up with news, like, okay, this player was injured earlier. What's the update on him. And it's just a constant process until you finally get to close the laptop and go to bed. So it's a lot of work, man it's it's a drastic stop for your brain to shut down like you said you're you're doing so much you're on these zoom calls right after the game for i don't know 30 40 minutes with with players and coaches and you're writing and then you're recording a show like you said you got to eat maybe you drank coffee to help you stay up but yeah you're probably not going to be able to sleep later and then once you close that laptop it's like going from 100 to zero it is yeah and that's it's one thing like people in Nashville, Titans fans get upset because the team's not on prime time enough. You know, you want that sort of respectability. Mm-hmm. Me, on the other hand, I'm sitting here like, nah, play every game at noon on Sunday. I'm fine. Let's <laughs> let's just yeah. keep it that way. I'm cool with it. Yeah, it's a fine line between that because we're kind of the same way. Uh, the Colts. Now you have to earn those games, but the Colts don't nearly have enough national games. Yeah. You you could take one of the 412 NFC East primetime games that get played <laughs> every year and maybe get yeah. one of the Colts. And then when they do get on primetime, because everyone gets a Thursday game, it's always on the road. Mm-hmm. Like Unless it's Thursday, sometimes they get a Thursday at home, but they almost never get a Monday at all. And it was it was weird because the the Saints a few weeks ago were dealing with an incoming hurricane, and there was talk of them relocating up to Indy for the week because the Colts yeah. were on the road, and they were going to be hosting a Monday night game, and we we're all joking that the Saints were going to be hosting a Monday night game in Indianapolis before the Colts ever. Did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's how it feels sometimes. Like I said, you know they they have everybody gets on Thursday night football, right? And yeah it seems like for all these years they were like, well, we're going to kill two birds with one stone and just get Jacksonville and Tennessee on the same week playing each other. That way we don't have to worry about finding another game for one of those teams later on in the season. We can just have them play each other. 
cross both teams off the list and move on. It's like every year we got Titans and Jags on Thursday night football and nobody, yeah. nobody wants to see that. We don't even want to see that. It's just like the annual Packers Vikings primetime or <laughs> Cowboys yeah. Cowboys and Giants. You always have that that Titans and uh Titans and Jaguars every year. Happy to see that change this year as the Colts travel to Nashville to play the Titans in a huge showdown in the AFC. Major implications on the line. Jake, thank you very much for joining us today. Remind our listeners how they can keep keep up with you on social media. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, again, on social media, Twitter and Facebook, I'm at Jake Arthur NFL. Uh, I'm the host of the Believe in Colts podcast. Uh, you can find that same same address at Believe in Colts at uh, on on Twitter and Facebook. And my written stuff is on allcolts.com on Sports Illustrated. There it is, my man. Well, thank you again very much for, for joining us today to break down the Indianapolis Colts. Go behind enemy lines, as the football cliche goes. I don't think it's a football cliche. It's just a journalism cliche, right? It's just us talking heads. <laughs> like, go behind enemy lines. Here on the Unofficial Titans podcast, I think you guys are going to get a, a couple of bonus episodes this week. So be on the lookout for that. Subscribe to the Unofficial Titans podcast on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify, wherever you take in your shows, we're out there. And keep up with all my latest work covering the Tennessee Titans for Sobros Network at SobrosNetwork.com. For Jake Arthur, I am Stoney Keeley, and until next time, you stay classy, Titans fans. Thanks again to my good friend Stoney for having me on the show. Uh, For those of you who don't know, Stoney and his team at Sobros, uh, at the Sobros Network, they're making a, a really large footprint in the Nashville, Tennessee media scene. They're They've kind of become a cult classic. I'm I'm really proud of that dude for getting getting everything moving. Uh, it's been working out for several years, and it's it's been a long grinding process. Be sure to follow him online at Stony Keeley. Well, that's it for this little bonus episode, everybody. Thanks for being with me. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. We can also be found on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Luminary, and more. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Believe in Colts, and me personally at Jake Arthur NFL on Twitter and Facebook, as well as Jake Arthur underscore on Instagram. My written work, as always, can be found on Sports Illustrated at allcolts.com. Uh, stay tuned here shortly within you know the next 12 hours or so because the official Colts-Titans pregame show for us will be coming out. Stay tuned. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.